0: there we are okay hey <laughs> technology is going to be the do my doom i just oh my heavens
1: uh how much time do you have actually
0: i'm i have juggling it in like five hours so
1: five hours <laughs> <laughs> we should be done by then
0: i need we some should... travel time so four hours
1: okay yeah 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 we should we should i promise you you'll be done by then
0: it's just like being teaching from home again like oh all the yeah. weird stuff i have to set up in my room to make this work okay let's see i've got a shoebox here i'm actually recording all this this is hilarious yeah <laughs> <laughs> you are gonna have some great audio on there all the
1: all the juicy stuff is before and after trust me it's not it's, the, the middle bit is not the middle bit's not important it's all the you know the before and after i hear all sorts of interesting things people People tell me all their secrets afterwards and, you know... Like, yeah, oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy, yeah. Um, it's
0: I have a feeling my secrets would be pretty boring.
1: <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Firstly, from me, a very big welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah,
0: thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's it's great to have you here. I guess we'll start from the beginning. I first saw you via your five reasons... For people over fifty to get into parkour video, I think it got shared quite quite widely, actually.
0: It did. It was really surprising. Yeah. To me. I...
1: So t- so t- so tell me about that. What was the what was the um, why did you make that video? And yeah, tell me about the response as well.
0: I I was I had just come from one of our over forty classes, and I had also I was in the process of publishing my first book, which hadn't come out yet. And so it was really present to me, like, you know, our over 40 class uh, ranges in age, or it did at that time from like early 50s to 70. Wow. And all the fun that we were having, but also all the grief that some of us were getting Mm. outside of the gym, you know, with our friends and family talking to us about doing parkour and of course bringing up the office or, you know, famous fails on YouTube, you know, (laughs) we're like, we are not on rooftops, (laughs) we are balancing on rails and... And we started talking about everything that we were benefiting, or all the benefits we were getting from parkour. Yeah. And on the way home, I started thinking about, you know, the top five reasons you should do parkour. What would that be? And then I was like, well, I should make a, you know, a, an Instagram post about this. And I thought, no one's going to read this. People want videos. So um, when I went to my school the next day, um, after school, I was at my desk, and I was actually recorded at my desk, and I was at my desk, and I was like, okay, I know what I want to say, and it probably took me an hour to record the whole thing and get it under a minute, but um, yeah, it just, it was one of those things that just really came from the heart, mm. and then I actually didn't post it. Mm. I sent it to my friend Autumn. She's one of the Apex owners, and I sent it to Autumn, and I said... I just made this video, but I feel like it's kind of presumptuous for me to post this. Like, what do I know? You know, like, who am I, the authority on why people over fifty should do parkour? And she was like, "God, Amanda, parkour (laughs) is trans. Oh, sorry, parkour (laughs) has transformed your life. See, it actually shook. It shook my world." Um, (laughs) And uh, she said, "You she said, "Yeah, go ahead and post it." And so I did, but I had to get my friend's approval first because I felt so self-conscious about, you know, who am I to say this stuff? Mm. But it was crazy to me how well-received it was and how how it spread. It was like, wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what's funny is that I don't think there really isn't another video like that. As strange as it sounds, I, honestly, <laughs> we, we've spent so many years, it, so, it sounds a bit dramatic, but we've spent so many years making videos, uh, show, showing off all the different moves, doing all these different things, Making compilations, making viral content, blah 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 blah, and yet here you are, and I see someone talking so sincerely, and very simply. Here are five reasons why. And it just, it just hit me like, what have we been? Why have we not made something like this? This is so, <laughs> you know, because I think that we, I think that with parkour, it often, kind of, it sometimes becomes a bit esoteric, like when you know, you know, sort of thing, and we don't always. Yeah try and break out we don't always try and address the muggles so to speak um
0: oh my god i love that yeah Yeah.
1: and um i think your your video really stood out because it's exactly that like something so simple and um i think that's one of the reasons why we're all like oh shit yeah like this is what we should be doing to (laughs) try and try and promote parkour you know so yeah absolute kudos to you definitely
0: i think um but my very first parkour coach, uh, Michael, was or uh, is kind of we used to say he was like the philosopher of the gym. You know, he would we would do all the the no- normal training stuff in parkour, but he would always have these deep thoughts about parkour and and the impact of parkour, why we do parkour, and all these things. And, um, I remember one of the uh, other adults who was in the class because it was mostly teens, and then there was one other adult in the class, and I remember him saying. I just love Michael's philosophy, you know, like when he gets into that stuff. And I'm like, I think that kind of influenced my whole parkour practice because that was my first coach, you know, and and getting into the thinking part and not just the, you know, doing part. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And before you started parkour, what were your, what was your knowledge about it? I mean, did you even know there was this kind of (laughs) deeper side? Uh, What did you think? I
0: didn't know anything about (laughs) parkour. (laughs) I was actually looking for something like uh, the Ninja Warrior stuff, because I knew what that was. And um, I just wanted something that looked fun, you know. And I thought, I don't know if I can do Ninja Warrior, but it looked fun. I looked to see if there was any place in Denver that trained it. And there was like one place that was like, oh, I don't know, 30 miles, 40 miles from my house. And there was another that seemed closer, but they didn't seem like they had anything for beginner adults, you know. And I was like no strength at all i'm like I, I tap absolute beginner so i i but you know when i did the google search apex was on there and parkour and i'm like i don't even know what that is although i know i had heard about parkour because some guys had been doing parkour in denver and one of them had gotten stuck on something in a roof and had to be rescued by the fire department and that was on the news and so oh, i knew wow. that about parkour
1: <laughs> really
0: yeah but when i went to the apex website they had um they had some videos, you know, of people doing parkour and I fell in love with the movement and the obstacle course and the vaulting. And I was like so excited to do vaulting. That was the thing I really wanted to do because it looked so cool. <laughs> That's what I knew. And then I just went to class and saw what happened. But, yeah.
1: And and I guess you mentioned Ninja Warrior and that also involves a lot of obstacles. What what drew you to parkour then as opposed to Ninja Warrior?
0: um access. Right. I think it was yeah. it was really access. Yeah. You know, um Apex had beginner adult classes. Sure. And they also had an 8-week introduction course for beginners who were adults. Amazing. And so it really made it like a really easy access. And I think that was the main thing. Yeah. So,
1: and yeah. I can safely say that's quite rare actually. I I don't know many other facilities in the UK or around Europe that do as you said, eight-week introduction courses for adults. That's that's fantastic.
0: I don't know um, what their current setup is for uh, bringing people in. I know they have an onboarding class, but I don't know if that's, like, more than one class. But, yeah, they still try and have a way for people to sort of experience it um, without having to really have no- much knowledge. And, of course, anyone who comes to the over 40 class, we're just, like... <laughs> Yeah, we're like our we're not sure if we're a community or a cult but you know <laughs> we're really welcoming
1: <laughs> yeah
0: we're definitely the loudest class in the gym
1: <laughs> well i was flicking through your post on instagram and something that made me smile was that there's a picture of you and some of some of your friends uh in the gym and it, it made me smile that in your caption you said something on, along the lines of uh yeah we we're, we're the loudest and the ones having the most fun and, <laughs> oh yeah to, absolutely to me that was just that was great because as much joy, uh, as much as parkour can bring, so much joy. It can also be highly, like um, I don't know, complicated for the mind. I think there's a lot of challenges and people. There's a lot of kind of ego and anger and all sorts of interesting things in the melting pot. Yeah. But it was nice that that you guys said that uh, you know you're really enjoying it and you're actually really having fun. Yeah, that was that was great to see.
0: Yeah, we definitely have a lot of fun, and we definitely have all the same mental and physical challenges, um, you know, but they land a little different Mm. when you're already so much older and not athletic, you know, Mm. um, because there are people over 40 and over 50 who are extremely athletic and they're not in our class, you know, they're in the level one class, they're in the level two class. Um, we, because of being in our class, like we are, when we have a challenge, we approach it, I think, maybe differently from someone who expects more of their body, who um, expects a much higher level of athleticism. For me, my God, just being able to like climb up a wall any way I can. Our, our motto is we got away from the zombies. You know, it wasn't pretty, but we got away from the zombies. <laughs> That's like someone else is down there becoming zombie food, you know, and we just, yeah, I don't know. It's a different experience being a little older and definitely not as athletic um, we definitely still have the mine stuff, though. Boy, put me anywhere, like, more than two feet off the ground, and I'm, like, shaking like a leaf, you know, so.
1: <laughs> mm. And is that fear of heights something that you've had for a long time?
0: Oh, yeah, always, mm. always. Yeah. I remember even as a kid, we, like, went to the Grand Canyon, and they have rails and stuff there, you know, and you can mm. stand by the rail. And, and I was like, oh, heck no. <laughs> I <Like, it> was <laughs> way back away from that rail. I didn't want to be anywhere near that edge. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't really remember any moment in my life where I was like, oh, a high place, let's go there. (laughs) I liked climbing up to high places. I love to climb trees. Okay, that's different, though. Mm. Somehow climbing a tree was different. Um, I used to climb trees all the time, and um, even into my 20s, I just loved climbing trees. Mm. Um, But there's something different about that. I don't know why. It just doesn't feel as high up, maybe because of the leaves, even coming back down, you know, most of the trees I climbed were pretty easy climbs. So coming back down was almost as easy as going up, except for the times I was in long skirts. Boy, that was a pain. <laughs> coming down is pretty hard <laughs> in a long skirt.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I remember I, I used to do a lot of balance training in my kind of early days of, of parkour. Uh, I grew up in a very small village with a, a bridge mm-hmm. and you could walk along the bridge, and, but it was over a good... I don't know, how many metres? Probably probably eight or nine metres, maybe. It's quite, oh my gosh, pretty, pretty high. Um, so, you know, it would be pretty severe if you fell. And it was interesting that I used to train at night as well. And so I would go out and I remember testing myself and seeing if I could do the same balance along the bridge uh, at night. And strangely, there was a sort of... Disconnection with the fear because I couldn't see the drop. Essentially, it was just a void, you know. Yeah. And it's kind of yeah. like just don't go that way, and you will be fine. Whereas in the daylight, uh, you know, you can you see the, the little ripples of the the water underneath you. You see the distance, and I, I, I feel you on the tree climbing thing because there's a plenty surrounding you and below you. So it's kind of you're not you're not on a crane. You're not like exposed. There's lots of things around you. And like you yeah. said, with the leaves, if it, especially if it's really dense, it kind of, it might actually dampen the, the fear in a way.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to remember because it's been such a long time since I climbed a tree. Um, <laughs> I, I do remember going up a few trees and then be like, oh, I should have, you know, planned mm. my descent before I went up. <laughs> but I don't know. I was in my twenties. I, I definitely was stronger then and a little more flexible. Um but I know like even now one of our coaches likes to give us challenges at height mm. just just because I shouldn't say one. It used to just be one, now it's all of them. Like, oh over fifty, let's go up high. We're like, mm. great. <laughs> but we had one coach um who took us to the edge of the eight foot platform and he's like, How close can you get to the edge? Just standing. And I was like, I could maybe get like this close to the edge with my toes but I could not like, he was standing right on the edge and I'm like, Oh no, mm -mm, can't do it. You know? And so every once in a while I'll take myself up there and just see how close I feel how comfortable I feel getting closer to that edge. Just, just a little more, you know, just a little more, but, and there's nothing to hold on to. Like if I had a wall to hold on to or something or a rail, I'd be like, sure, no problem. I can put my feet on the edge, but with nothing to hold on to, I don't know. We were all laughing about like our, uh, why we're afraid of heights and why we're afraid of going this way or that. And I said, well, I'm just afraid that I'm going to go right by this little ledge here and the wall is actually going to push out like it does on that TV show and it's going to push me off into space, you know, like I'm going to fall. And they're like, that's the weirdest thing to think, but now I'm afraid of it too. Yeah, <laughs> just like, it's just irrational fears. There's nothing different standing on the eight foot platform three feet away from the edge or right on the edge it's exactly the same platform and I'm still just standing but something in my brain says it's different you know what if the world suddenly shakes and I fall off and I'm like okay it doesn't usually do that but I did grow up in California you know earthquake land, oh, yeah, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why know. I don't know yeah so,
1: so in, a, in a sense you have a fear of heights but at the same time you're there's something in you that wants to explore that a little bit or is willing to oh, explore. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. What, what What is that? What is that essence? I mean, it's a, it's not an easy question to answer, but like, what do you think it is? Why, why do you want to do that?
0: I, you know, okay, a couple of things. First of all, I think it's kind of part of every parkour athlete, you know, like, why do we do all these challenges? You know, and a lot of, I, I'm not the only one who gets scared. You know, I talked to some of the the really top level athletes at the gym and they'll tell you the same thing. Oh yeah, this scares me. And, but why do you do it? Because you want that challenge. You know, you want to see what happens if I do this, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, or can I do this? Or how do I break this? And so that's definitely part of it. But the other thing I noticed very early on with parkour was the impact it was having in every other area of my life. And that was because I was, constantly uncomfortable in class I hate people watching me and of course you know Michael or whatever coach I had that day Amos or Max they were always watching us you know and then other people in the gym might see me oh my god and I'm not good at this and I was so uncomfortable and then also constantly taking on new fears like it changes you If you're, I mean, not huge fears. I'm not a, you know, four stories off the ground jumping a roof gap. You know, I'm just in the gym, so it's basically safe. You know, I've had a couple twisted ankles over the years, but mainly it's pretty safe. So I'm taking on that fear and that discomfort over and over and over again, and it really does change you. It changes your attitude. You know, I know it's definitely impacted so many areas in my life. So, yeah, I think that's part of the reason I'm like, yeah, let's see if I can get a little closer to the edge because I need to make myself uncomfortable. Otherwise, I mean, why do parkour? I could just go to the gym and walk on the treadmill somewhere, you know, or <laughs> actually go on the walk on the treadmill and go nowhere. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Lovely. I think uh, there's a really interesting point you've made there about voluntarily seeking discomfort or fear because I think this is what in many ways, separates parkour from a lot of, not that there isn't fear in other sports, of course there is, but I think there is something, there is something, uh, yeah, intrinsic to, to parkour in that sense. And it's interesting the carryover with um, with things like mental health because mm-hmm. uh, anyone who has sort of looked into things like CBT and other aspects of therapy know that exposure to, Uh, to something you're afraid of or or, or, exposure to something in increments that that you're uncomfortable with is often a way is often the only way to try and overcome that Um, especially if they're kind of irrational thoughts in our in our head that we're having about a certain aspect of our lives and so it it, I'm the same as you it it astounds me again and again uh, how how wonderful this this Going into fear can be this voluntary uh, thing uh, can be. So t- tell me a little bit, um, yeah, about these other aspects of your life. Like, if you can, if you can explain that, that'd be great. I mean, it's not easy to explain, but yeah, try, try best.
0: <laughs> I'll I'll do my best. Um, I've actually thought about this a lot, and I've I've spoken to a few people about it. Good. Um, like I I suffer from an anxiety disorder, mm. and I have for. I definitely most of my life, probably forty years, mm. I have panic attacks. And the thing about panic attacks is, like, every time I have one, my brain sort of maps that experience or that area as this is dangerous, this is not a safe place. And so, over the course of decades, like, my world just got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Like, the things that I was allowed to do or not allowed to do, um, like from allowed to do, got smaller and. Um, not allowed to do got bigger, you know, and uh, when I was in college, I majored in um, voice. So I was a trained opera singer. But somewhere in my senior year, um, I had a panic attack on stage while I was performing. And that totally impacted that moment. I mean, that moment impacted me going forward, where I developed such incredible stage fright, I could not perform for anyone. And for, I don't know, 20 years, 25 years, the only time I ever sang in public was at church. And even then I would be shaking like a leaf, you know, and um, and thankfully we had like a choir loft in the back so nobody could see me. <laughs> but, um, But again, it's just it was one of those things that when I started to do parkour, all of a sudden I was like, well, maybe I'll share, you know, one video of me singing with five friends and even sending it to five close friends, just had me just shaking but i did it you know and gradually like um just like i said just last year um i performed at the at apex uh they have a circus group that trains and uh does classes there and i performed a clowning act by myself um in front of this audience and i did it twice and i was like this is the first time i performed in like 20 25 years and here i am and i really accredit that to my experience with parkour and facing those fears and and getting a different mindset about taking on challenges that seem like I can't do it and I used to always just say I can't do it and now I'm like what if I do it anyway (laughs) so and of writing a book too I have more stories poems music even that I've written over the decades that nobody has ever seen or heard and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I think I'll publish a book. Like, wow, that that was kind of cool, you know, and I've shared my stories with a few people now. Um, I don't know if I'll ever do anything more with them. But oh, I also wrote some stories for my students and shared it with their teachers and with the the kids and um, got that was like a really big deal, like sharing a story I wrote for my students about my students, you know, and they get superpowers and all this stuff, and they loved it. And I'm like, oh, you know, and it was, but parkour opened that up for me. Like, I would never have done that before. It was just felt too risky. I mean, I was so afraid of being in public. I couldn't even stand up with teachers I had worked with for 10 years and speak at a staff meeting, even if the principal asked her opinion on something. Mm. I couldn't, I, if I raised my hand to offer my opinion, when she asked in front of my colleagues, I would be shaking and my heart would be racing. Like that's how bad my stage fright was. For some reason I could teach though, which is kind of odd, but (laughs) with my colleagues um, or actual performing, like singing or anything like that, it was completely shut off, you know? And I look at like who I've become in the last year and I'm like,
1: damn
0: <laughs> I don't know who that is <laughs> like it's not me yeah it's not who I've been so yeah I mean it's big stuff it's not it's not little things it's yeah. it's to me it's huge it's like giving me my life back
1: yeah oh wonderful that's wonderful yeah. to hear I think that uh this is something so difficult to express through video our experience yeah. of parkour I mean we there's a few storytellers among us, but I always love to hear about more because this is such a big space. To you know, we can we have shown everything. We've shown everything from the from the smallest steps to to the, to the the greatest athleticism. We've shown so much, and I think, well, yeah. If if you're listening and you're a storyteller, let's start getting the stories out there because we can, as you, as you've mentioned. This is huge for us. This is huge. And it can't really be seen always in just the movement. Uh, how the movement feels and the effect that it have, has on us is, yeah. is, is so, it can be really profound. Um, so tell us on that note. Yeah, tell us about the book because I, I confess I haven't, haven't read it yet. Um, but oh, I. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd be pretty keen if I'd managed to, to read it by now. I, I dare guess. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I always say it's it's such a niche market, you know, and um, the parkour children's book, you know, first of all, it's a children's book. And secondly, it's about parkour. And third, it's about a uh, grandma and grandson doing parkour. So it's a very, very tiny market. Um, yeah. And why I wrote it, I think it just came to me as a story, again, because of our over 40 class. Mm. And I started thinking like, well, what if I made up a story about how parkour helps us older people? Um, and I went online. I think the what really got me thinking about it even before that. And I think about it was my brother sent me a children's book, a parkour children's book for Christmas one year. And I opened it up and I was like, "This is horrible. This is it's so poorly written." Do you mind telling?
1: And do you mind saying what it? I won't. No. I won't
0: say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't do that. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, All right. I. But no, it was just as a, as a teacher, I have like 150 or more children's picture books. I love Mm. children's picture books and I use them in music class all the time. Um, I just love them. I love the artwork. I love the stories. I just, it's a form of literature I love. And when I got this book, I was like, oh, the story doesn't make any sense. The illustrations were lovely, Um, but the story didn't make any sense. And there was no parkour in it. It was this very convoluted story. And then there was like one page, maybe two, that even had parkour in the illustrations. Okay. And I was very disappointed. Yeah. And of course, I think, well, I could do better. And I'm like, oh, yeah? Then do it. I mean, you know? <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, and that's, I think, what got me started thinking. And of course, the over 40 class kind of gave me a jumping off point for the story. Yeah. So... And I'm working on book two and book three right now. So. Okay. <laughs> so it's having a lot of fun with it.
1: Excellent. Is that a trilogy or is that more just uh, separate stories?
0: No, they're just, I mean, they're it's the same characters in those two books. And then I have a fourth, I have an idea for a fourth book as well. And that one, I haven't really been started thinking of like a story for it yet. So I'm not sure how that's going to play out. That one, I think might be a little more um independent of the other three it's not really a trilogy it's just the same characters yeah. doing parkour in different ways cool. but yeah so it's very exciting though it's very fun i'm having a it's like it's definitely a a, a, a project from the heart yeah because yeah. i'm not making any money on this no. i'm not even making my money back <laughs> you know, like because i have to invest for the uh the illustrations okay. and uh yeah i'd have to sell a, a lot more books to yeah. make my money back okay but it's still worth it to me. It's definitely worth it to me. It's, it's practice. I'm just practicing my art. Sure,
1: you know. sure, <laughs> sure. Well, that's fantastic. And yeah, for people listening, if you want to grab a copy, the link, the <laughs> link will be uh, in the description. Go and have a look. Um, I actually have in my little parkour studio, I have a wall with a slowly uh, growing number of parkour <coughs> stickers. So I've got mm-hmm. lots of stickers that are slowly, slowly uh, <clears throat> just creeping along the wall. I also have a little cupboard with uh, a stack of parkour books, which I've collected over the years. And uh, one of them is uh, Max Henry's book.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: So uh, so maybe we'll have a new edition soon. It'd be nice to uh, nice, nice, <laughs> nice to have one for the kids. But, um, but yeah, sometimes it's, it's interesting. Uh, I couldn't get enough of some, some of the early parkour books. I, I just knew them back to front. I mean, there weren't many when I started as, you know... 15 years ago now so there was a a couple a couple here and there but I think it's great whenever I hear of someone you know publishing this publishing that it's it's good it's great
0: yeah well I have a I did start writing down some stories about a completely fictional character who happens to be a middle, middle-aged woman who starts taking parkour classes but <laughs> Completely fiction. No relation. But that, yeah, no, none whatsoever. You know, it's pure coincidence yeah. if it looks like anyone you know. Um, but that one is definitely more, you know, literature, yeah. not children's book. And uh, yeah, oh, it's one of those things I, I look at every once in a while. But I feel like maybe I'm a little too close to the story at this point. So sure. <laughs> need a little more distance before I can write that one and make it actually be someone else's story and not just my own
1: Mm. and what's stopping you sharing your own story
0: um I I think as a writer I mean I definitely could share my own story but as a writer I I really love fiction Mm. and I love I love what I love about fiction is you can choose what your message is and then create the story around that and if I'm writing about myself I don't know it just seems like it's just different. I don't know. It's non. it's nonfiction. And even as I was writing the first couple of stories, they are sort of collections of things that actually happened at the gym. Um, but not, not what actually happened. Like there's one, one of the stories I wrote was just about a time that we played sardines in the gym, which is like hide and seek. Um, but I did I desperately did not but want to be the person hiding, but Michael volunteered me to hide, and I was so mad. <laughs> and, um, I wasn't mad. I was actually freak a little freaked out, but he was such a sweetheart about it. He's like, it'll be all right. Mm. And I'm like. Fine. Yeah, so um, I failed. And I like I, I tripped and fell or something during the 10 second countdown or 20 second countdown. Um, everyone had their eyes closed and they're counting down and I tripped and I smacked like onto the mat so everyone could hear where I was. Then I had no time to actually hide and sort of like threw myself behind this cube. That's like, <laughs> there's no way I could hide behind that thing. And um, I just so I kind of wrote that into a story. But then I made it a whole lot worse by having other things happen too. And you know, but that didn't actually happen. Like falling into the foam pit. Like my worst nightmare is getting into that foam pit. <laughs> God only knows what's down there.
1: Yeah, quite, quite. Um have you how much do you know about Tam with the Cam?
0: I know her videos. I know she's an artist and um I have great respect for her. Oh my gosh. I love watching her videos. Mm. And um yeah.
1: Well, I, I, I had her on here, luckily. Yeah. She's one of my uh heroines uh, oh, nice. of parkour. She's wonderful. I've followed her for, for years and years. Um, so I was super excited when she said she, she wanted to come on. But something that she's really pushing and is what you two should link up about is illustration because she is also uh, adding kind of animation and cartoon aspects to her videos, which I'm sure you've seen. And she's she looks like a, a, a perfect child parkour children's book illustrator so you guys should connect that'd be oh that'd be great that'd be so cool to see your both of your names on the on another book you know that would make I think a lot of sense
0: it would it would be absolutely brilliant except that i'm having to pay for this out of pocket and personally i i know some people who are like willing to volunteer their time but if your career is artist if that's your work like i can't pay you what you're worth you know, um, I, when, maybe when I'm a best-selling author, you know, or if some publishing house picks me up and actually asks my opinion on, on illustrators, <laughs> but at this point there's, my budget is too, way too small to sure. hire a, someone of her caliber. I mean, oh my God, that would be a dream. And the thing is like, you know, in a, if my books actually sold more copies, I could say, Hey, you know, we can split this. But at this point, splitting that would be like, well, here's 30 bucks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, yeah, yeah. honestly, you're better off if I pay you out of pocket because, you know, my when I would pay someone to do the illustrations, because I actually am working with an artist right now cool. um, to do the illustrations for this next book. And I told her what I was willing to pay, and I said, how would you like to be grossly underpaid? And she was like, I'd love it. And I was like, okay. Um, but we chatted a long time about it, and and she really did want to do it. So we are working together now. and um, Nice. Yeah. And I'm like, you definitely just want to take the flat rate because taking, even if you took a hundred percent of what I'm making, you're not getting anything worthwhile back, you know, time wise or your money wise. So yeah. But I mean, that's a dream. I, I saw this one, uh, children's book writer on YouTube of all places. And he did this experiment where he wrote this story and it was a delightful story. He wrote this story and then he went to, I think it's Fiverr. Um, It's a place where you can hire people. And he hired, I think 10 different illustrators to do different pages in the book. And he ended up with a book with all these different illustrations. That's cool. And then on his video, he was comparing the artists and like how amazing this one was and how this one just looked like stock photos, you know? And it was just really interesting to see that. And I thought that would be the coolest thing because there are so many artists in the parkour community. Mm. How cool would it be to do a children's book where every page was illustrated by a different parkour athlete? Like, oh, yeah. that would be so awesome.
1: Okay, well, watch this Watch this space. Yeah, yeah. watch this space. Watch this space. We'll see. Yeah, and if
0: anyone wants to be grossly underpaid <laughs> for their work, <laughs> get in touch. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So you're, well, you, from what I gather from from your Instagram content, you are quite a goals-orientated person. So tell me, I want to ask you about a couple of things. Firstly, the 52 goals for 52 years. Mm-hmm. And then after that, could you tell us a bit about 54 precision jumps for 54 <laughs> years? Tell, tell me about those things.
0: Well, the, the 52 goals for 52 years... Um, it was something I'd never done before, but it was something I thought would be kind of fun to try. And fortunately, um, my birthday was right at the turn from 2019 to 2020. And a lot of those goals involved other people. So as soon as COVID hit, I was like, ah, screw it. (laughs) Like I just basically chucked the list. It was just not something that, um, inspired me. I think once COVID hit, everyone's priorities really changed. And, um, Yeah, definitely still had some goals, but it was nothing that was on that list because I didn't know I was going to start juggling, for example. Um, And juggling was like my my thread to mental health at the beginning of the pandemic. So uh, that couldn't have been on the list. But yeah, it was just something that I thought would be fun. I teach at a school where we teach the students the seven habits of highly effective people. Um, It's a it's geared towards elementary and middle school students. It's called the Leader in Me program. And it's amazing but because we teach it to our students, we have to know it and practice it ourselves in our lives so we can explain it to them and and mm. model it. And um, So one of the things in there is to have goals. And we have our students set goals and the teachers set goals and we post the goals outside of our classrooms. And um, my goals always had to do with either with writing or with parkour. So the kids would come into my room and they'd look at my goal like... Miss Aragon you know how's your how's your Kong vault you know like I don't have a Kong vault yet thank you for asking or they'd say Miss Aragon what's a Kong vault you know yeah but so I had all these different goals and stuff so that was I think that just kind of flowed out of that I thought it was kind of fun to have 52 because there's 52 weeks in a year and I was 52 years old that year and
1: nice
0: yeah but it was just something that I I thought I would I did actually share it with my students and then when COVID hit everything got taken down and put away and so never went back mm. to that one. I looked at it once and I was like, maybe I should make a new one, you know. <laughs> the uh the 54 jumps precision jumps for my birthday was a, not a birthday tradition, but it was a tradition that started <laughs> from one of the coaches at Apex Louisville that closed. Um but this coach Thomas, he he was teaching level 1 and he was I was the only one who showed up that day for that class. It was like a Friday night. Who goes to parkour class on Friday night? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway, so he he was like, well, you know, let's work on your precision jumps. So he set up two rails and, you know, we kind of looked at where my limit was and he's like, okay, how old are you? And I said, I'm 51. He said, you have to stick 51 precisions. And I was like... (sighs) maniac. You know? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, Charles was older or not Charles, sorry. Uh, Thomas was older. So it wasn't like, you know, he was this young guy either. He was in his forties. And, uh, and so he knew that he was asking something big of me, but it took the entire class to do 51 precision jumps and stick them. It was easy to do 51 jumps, but to stick them and a stick was like, you have to hold it for at least three seconds, you know? Um, that was way harder. So I probably ended up doing 150 jumps. But something about that, doing it because I was 51 and making me do 51 precisions, that rolled over to my next birthday. So when I turned 52, it was, okay, now I need to do 52 precision jumps for my birthday. And so I did. And then of course, 53 and then 54. So um, I didn't record it when I did the 52 but I think I might have actually been at the gym and Thomas was probably there too. I don't know if he was still coaching there at that time. But I just remembered that he, it was him. It was Thomas's fault. And I found out the next class he taught didn't have any old people in it, but he made them all do 51 precision jumps as well.
1: <laughs>
0: in honor of my age. Thank you very much. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> like, just be glad I'm not 70. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've tried so hard to get other people to do it with me. I know, or to do the the challenge on their birthday but so far no one's taken me up except one person in our over 40 class because our birthdays are one day apart and okay. we're and we're the same age so she actually did them with me on my birthday because yep. you know, she was also 54 so yep. I do have a partner in crime <laughs>
1: <laughs> very nice and it reminds me actually have you heard of uh Blaine Chris Rowett? I don't
0: no I don't think so
1: yeah, he he's a I guess you could say an OG of the the UK community. He did a lot of work coaching for Parkour generations. Mm-hmm. And one of he used to write some of the first I think back in like oh man, it was like 2000 like 6 7 something like that. He used to write Parkour articles and mm-hmm. there's a famous one called dilution which is a, a fa- yeah, it's become famous. And it's kind of stood the test of time, this idea that will parkour dilute over time and the, the, the original philosophies and the, the mindset behind parkour, will it dilute over time? But one article that he wrote which really uh, engrossed me was he, he wanted to do this, this cat-pass precision and he didn't want to do it just once or twice, but he wanted to do it, I think it's something ridiculous, like a hundred times in a row. So he wow. set himself this challenge and the writing is really nice. Like he explains his mental process, how he's, he gets into this kind of first stage where it's like, you know, I'll do a few and it's, it wasn't an especially difficult movement for him, but as he gets into like the thirties, forties, things start becoming a bit strange. Like he's, he's just doing it like automatically yeah. and his hands are starting to get sore and then he gets towards the end and that's when the fear starts coming in because he's come mm-hmm. so far yeah that uh you know those last few attempts he's like if i mess up now i'm gonna have to go again (laughs) and so he's in he's in that super like warrior mentality and uh yeah inspired me i think i think there's definitely something in yeah there's definitely something engrossing about the sort of repetition and, and the the grind aspect of parkour as well um yeah, which isn't always popular, and it's not always. I don't know about you, but it's sometimes quite difficult to, to uh, what's the word? Um, invigorate young, uh, so to invigorate beginners about the sort of the grind of parkour. Um, I think yeah. some people really get it, and some people it's like oh, I just don't, yeah. I don't want do to <laughs> do this. Definitely.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. There are times, I know, with our coaches, we'll be like, okay, can we move on? <laughs> you
1: know, like... Yeah, yeah. And so tell me more about your coaches. I'm really interested about that. Um, you mentioned a few names. This is your chance to,
0: to shine a light out. on them. Oh, God, I love and... my coaches, yeah. Um, I'm yeah. one of those, I'm just one of those people that I, I remember a lot of things. Maybe because I'm a storyteller, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. I remember talking to somebody, I'm like, yeah, back when we were in Louisville and this and this and this, and like, I don't remember that at all. I'm like, how can you not mm-hmm. remember that? Yeah. But I don't know, different perspectives, right? Um, mm. My first, first coach was Michael Sliger of World Chase Tag fame. Thank you very much. Um, mm-hmm. Just an amazing coach and such a young kid. I remember thinking he's barely older than my son, you know. And uh, <laughs> But just really intuitive, like able to really quickly assess where people are at. Able, And I don't know if he was doing it intentionally or not, but he was even assessing like people's attitudes, people's like as a teacher i'm kind of watching this cuz i do this all the time with my students and it's second nature after you know 25 years but here's this 19 year old kid you know who seems like so in tune with the dynamics of his class and i'm like damn i was just really impressed by him from the mm. beginning i mean i think that's one of the hard things about having someone like me and i'm not the only teacher in these classes but having a teacher in your classes
1: mm.
0: we're always judging you <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank God, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure.
0: Um, yeah, and uh, um, Amos Rendell was one of my early coaches as well. And uh, he was, you know, I remember him teaching me safety roles, which is his thing, you know, parkour camey. And so that was really, I was like, oh, I learned from the master, you know. Um, Max Hummel was one of my early coaches as well. And he actually worked with me um, in private lessons, like, outside at a park when I just needed some space away from the gym for a while. Uh, he was just... Well, he's a great coach, but he's also just one of the kindest human beings. And one of the people that would all, was always like reaching out to me during open gym, even if he wasn't the coach on duty, he'd always come find me and be like, how are you doing? What are you working on? Can we work on something together? I'm like, here's this like world-class athlete, like teaching me how to do a butt spin on the vault. You know? <laughs> and like, And I'm like, he would lower his own level down to my level just so I would have someone to play with. You know? I mean, what a kind human being. Um, and then, of course, Renee was one of my first coaches in Denver and probably, I think, the only female coach I've ever had. And I just loved her. She was overcoming shoulder surgery or recovering from shoulder surgery at the time that I was recovering from a shoulder injury. So everything that I couldn't do, she'd be like, oh, do this instead, you know, and it was so great to have a coach that really got it. Um, gosh, at the Apex now, I've got Sean, who works with us old folks, and as the executive director of PK Move here in the States, which works with the elderly, like the elderly, I'm not old enough for that yet. Um, and then we've got one of the one of the people in the over 40 class, her son is our coach um, on another day of the week. And so it's kind of fun to have the mother-son dynamic in our class. <laughs> and that's Zach. And Zach is also the photographer for my illustrations for my book. Um, just an amazing coach and a world traveler and a photographer. And yeah, i just love my coaches you got Rob Schill who worked with us and Michaela who works with us and uh, Charles I mean we just have so many good coaches and the coaches that like us and like working with us they know that like we're just a different group we're not going to be quiet and just you know do whatever you tell us we're going to be like why or can we do yeah. something else? Or can we move on to something else now? Or, you know, Sean, our, our coach that's used to working with the elderly, he always starts his class with our warm-ups with uh, what's, what's, what's bothering you today? What's, what's hurting today? And you're like, you're asking a bunch of old people what's bothering them. For, you know, we could go on for 20 minutes about our aches and pains. You don't want to ask us that. But uh, and he's great because, dang, he will work with anything that you bring. Like, you know, my hips right. are killing me today. Okay, let's work on your hips and let's modify things the way we need to. You know, like. Cool. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, don't get me started on the coaches. I could go on and on. Then I got my juggling coach, Brian. He's amazing too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. i have like, yeah, I, it's so hard for me to explain to people outside of the gym and outside of um, the parkour what it means To be part of the parkour community. Like, no, it's not a cult, I swear. But that's just the level of support. Like, I was at the gym last night for Open Gym. And I got these people who are off the charts amazing just coming up and chatting with me. And, you know, and um, I'll do something totally basic. But I'm working hard to get it. And I'll get it. And somebody across the gym will cheer for me because they've been watching me. You know, and it's just it just blows my mind. Like what I see in this community, the way the level of encouragement and support and involvement, you know, like somebody was like, I haven't done a backflip in months. And I'm like, Hey, go over there on the, on the air track and talk to those guys, they'll help you. And sure enough, they did. And they got him going and they followed him around the gym and they're working with him. And it was just like, they don't even know each other, but now it doesn't matter. Cause we all have parkour in common, you know, whether you're working on a huge jump at eight feet up trying to balance on a rail 13 feet away or whether you're on the floor like me just jumping between two lines and just trying to make it a little farther jump you know mm. yeah it's just I could go on and on and on and on and I do about the people you know and the coaches yeah it's not just the coaches set the tone I think for how everyone in the end of the gym interacts and so kudos to our coaches and the owners of Apex for really setting up a community that is amazing just mm. yeah
1: <laughs> <Anyway. Cool. laughs> I would love to I'd love to visit someday it sounds very very inviting yeah uh I guess there's that sense of yeah we're all in the trenches together kind of thing <laughs> we're, all, we're all you know there's uh I'm, yeah. I'm stealing someone else's phrase um but the, the kind of uh all in the trenches together we're all we're all so Excited to see each other win, that's what's so so, so, so wonderful well,
0: um, whatever level you're working at, the one thing that we all have in common, I think is the mental game is is having to like face that fear and break down something into something doable. you know like you can start with this is where I want to end up, now how do I get there? and yeah. I, we all understand that. You know, whether it's me working on something basic, but I can look at somebody who's working on something way more difficult than I can ever do in my whole life. And I can understand the process. And we have that in common. And I think that's why we can cheer for each other. That's how we can support each other. Because we get the mental game and we get how you have to break things down, figure out where you're at that day. What can you do? What can you not do? Like, we all get that. So we have that common common language, I guess, maybe. Common understanding. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And as a teacher yourself, then, if there's people listening who, like me, teach predominantly children, what would you? What advice would you give? What 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 works with teaching children? Um, maybe not not just parkour, but in, in yeah. general. I mean, again, uh, it's a big topic, but it's something that I'm constantly trying to figure out, and uh, I'm always learning from them. You know, I'm always learning. About how to so adjust my attitude, or my body language, or my yeah. enunciation, or my strategy, or my group management, or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so, if there's things that stick out in your mind, then yeah, please share because I think that it could be very useful for other people, um, especially if they struggle with with coaching or teaching children, because it, it can be it can be very challenging.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, the first thing we always say as teachers is relationships first. You know, um, we are all want to get in there. Like, I know, school will be starting, you know, in August for us. And I'm already thinking ahead to what I want to do with my students. You know, what activities, what music am I going to teach? What instruments are we going to play? I'm already thinking about that. But, and I know it's probably the same in parkour classes. you got to start with the relationships. Who are the people in your classes? And... What are they bringing to class? You know, you always have somebody who wants to be there. You know, I have that those little kids who come in and be like, this is my favorite class. I missed you so much. You know, and other kids who come in like, oh, I hate music. You know, and yeah, yeah, you're yeah. going to have the same thing in parkour. Although you would think, no, yeah. oh, they don't have to. But we have a lot of parents who are like, you know, go do your class. I already paid for it. You know, exactly. May, or maybe they're they love it, but they're having the worst day of their life. You know, sure. something sure. bad happened at school, or their best friend moved away or whatever you know like they they have lives too and having those relationships is really important you know knowing the people in your class and helping them get to know each other and relate to each other and encourage each other and be there for each other um i remember seeing that when i was doing my very first classes after the intro just the level one because i was with all these teenage boys and the relationships they had with each other was really cool it was um fun to see how they interacted with each other how they played off of each other how uh, they encourage each other to try or encourage each other to goof around you know like it was all there but finding out like who these kids are where they're at having that relationship where it's not like I'm in charge do what I say but this is what we're here for how do you want to get there today you know like <laughs> I mean i I'm, I know with the over 40 class our coaches will say to us you know is there something you want to work on today this is what I have planned but is there something you want to work on today? Or um, do you want to end the class with this or this? You know, and like giving us some options. You know, I know that the coaches who say, you know, what game are we going to play at the end of class? They have total buy-in because the kids want to have fun. You know, <laughs> yeah. are we going to play sardines? Are we going to play uh, The Floor is Lava? What are we playing? Um, yeah. Yeah, we did this really fun game with foam blocks one time. It was kind of like a... It wasn't capture the flag. Something where we had to get our blocks from the other side over to our side. But we were all balancing on rails. And if you had a block and you fell off the rail, you had to do a push-up and then you had to get the block back. And, you know, like, it was just, it was crazy and it was so much fun. I've never seen so many competitive people in my life. Um, <laughs> but, I, yeah, I think relationships first and then you got to keep it fun. I don't care if you're teaching math or if you're teaching parkour. You got to keep it fun. You know, you got to have that, that reason for doing it. And even though like, oh, life skills. Yeah, it's really important. Yeah, nobody cares about that when, you know, you're doing something, you want to have fun in the moment. And um, yeah, I don't know. I I knew, I know that when I first started doing parkour, because I was so bad at it, because I was so self-conscious about being seen. And then I go back to a music classroom where kids have to perform, even if they're with each other some of my students, I looked at them and I said, I saw them, I saw that fear for the first time in their eyes that I mean, how did I miss this before? I kind of got it, but not until I experienced myself did I really get it and understand I need to create a place for my students who are super uncomfortable doing this, even with their class, you know, how can I help them? And like, it just, it really changed the way I relate to my students. So that's kind of the opposite of what you asked, but <laughs> how parkour changed my teaching.
1: Yeah. Something that is always a a very wholesome moment for me is when without any, uh, without any encouragement from me, a, a kid will celebrate someone else's success.
0: Yeah.
1: And I see it a bit more in the older, my older kind of students because they're, you know, they're a bit more mature, you know, kind of uh, teenage years. But it's so, it's moments like that where I'm kind of like, okay, uh, yeah, like uh, this is, it's, it's, the shift starts to pull away from me being the teacher and more them just coming to a session and me facilitating them. Something I've talked about a lot on this podcast is that, um, there's this wonderful point of autonomy where, uh, with it, with a level of maturity and trust, the the class becomes more fluid, becomes more jam-like, becomes more. I'm interested in doing this. Can we try this? It becomes more fun. It becomes more playful. It becomes more encouraging. Yeah. And uh, it's 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 wonderful. It's sometimes not always easy to get to that point. Um, and it can take some time, but if I start, I always. My my attention just uh, centers so strongly when I whenever whenever I see a child like encoding someone else, and because that's uh, that is that is part of the fabric of the the community, as you as you mentioned.
0: Definitely, I I think one of the things that I've learned as a teacher is to always model the attitudes and behaviors that I want my students to have you know, the respect that I want them to have, the encouragement of each other that I want them to have. And the one thing we do in my class all the time is we celebrate failure, you know, because we're learning all these music, all this music, all these songs, and we're messing it up right and left, you know, we're reading these complex rhythms. And, you know, if you can do it wrong, we will do it wrong. And so we have two things like, okay, who's ready to fail? Let's do this, you know, and... And like, okay, we're gonna have a lot of failure today. And so we'll finish practicing something, we're trying something, and I'll say to the kids, okay, who failed? And they're like, Oh, miss, I failed, I failed, so let me tell you how. You know, like they're so proud of their effort, if they can frame it in the sense of not just what and then some kids are like, Miss, I didn't do anything wrong. I got the whole thing right. I'm like, yes, do it again, you know. And but just really owning that it's going to be hard and we're going to fail. Like if you come into my I always tell them, you come into this classroom just get ready. We're all going to fail. I'll fail more than you. You just won't know it because I won't tell you, <laughs> but trust me, I'm failing more than you. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. So,
0: cause I'm, you know, playing the piano or something while they're trying to do other things. And I'm like, I'm messing this up right and left and they just don't know. So, and then they'll be like, miss, I heard you mess up. I'm like, good, excellent. Very good. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think having that, that space where you just say to the kids, it, not only is it okay to fail, but it's fantastic. It's our path to success. Mm, Every mm, failure mm. gets us closer to success. Mm. So,
1: I have a, a kid who I'm very fond of. I've been training, so teaching, I've been teaching him since he was about 10. I think he's 14 now, so it's a while now. And I took him to uh, one of the biggest parkour competitions in the UK in, in Nova City called uh, Project Underground. And they had like an under 16s speed competition. So they laid out a course, we had some laser barriers, you had to run through yeah. to start and stop. And and uh, he came last, he mm-hmm. came last. And I remember shortly afterwards, this was, this was, this was uh, earlier in the year, shortly afterwards he came to me and he said, right, I'm gonna win next year. And I remember thinking like, Okay yeah that okay that's I like that I like that that fire you know but what was really interesting is that a couple of days ago he came to me and he looked a little bit different and this is months afterwards and he came to me and he said "Sam, I've had a, I've had second thoughts about comp- competitions I said oh okay what 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 were were you thinking and he said um I don't want to compete anymore and this is after one competition yeah and I said uh oh okay so so why and he said well well, i came last and the thought of that happening again is too much to bear yeah. and so i kind of i had to wrestle with myself in that moment because all of me was just like no 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 come on like you can, we we don't want to you know you only had one chance and you know yeah. something you you can't predict how what will happen i mean the the, the favourite could could stumble and 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 uh, you know you could beat the favourite you never know what's going to happen in competition
0: yeah
1: and um, but it was interesting that actually as I started to say these things it actually had the adverse effect he, it was almost like it was tightening it a bit more in his mind I was saying like mm-hmm. you know you you gotta you gotta try again we don't want to You've always got more chances, and this is this is like rocket fuel. If you come last, that's rocket fuel because you've you could only do better.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but it was interesting that the more I was trying to persuade him, the less it was working. And so now I've stepped back from that conversation. Like, what do I actually want? Do I want him? Is it is it my thing that I <laughs> want him to compete again? Yeah. Is it on my, you know, because he's my student? Is it like an ego thing? And so I don't really know the answer, but I I feel like there's some there's some learning to be to be done in this sort of situation.
0: <laughs> Sounds like parenting, yeah. I was gonna say <laughs> there's a lot of similarities in coaching and and parenting yeah. and teaching. They all kind of go together. Yeah, the, I have yeah. students who are are similar to that, but not so much. We don't compete. Um, sure. But they have moments where you know things go south, and they don't want to try again. And I have to always, like in my classroom, um, when we're playing instruments, I don't usually give them an out if we're singing. Well, you're singing, just do it. But if we're playing instruments and they just need to take a step back because it's not working or they're not making progress like they want to. And I always like, you know, that's fine. When you're ready to come back in, come back in. And I feel like that's the same sort of thing, whether it's a competition or a particular skill that they've been working on. Um, Just to say, you know, I respect your decision it's always there if you want to go back to it, you know, and if you want to bounce ideas off of me, that's great. But, you know, you got to, yeah, I have to let go sometimes because I've had situations where I wanted to push students to try something like something like at district level, you know, where they can be in a choir or a band or an orchestra where I think they really succeed. And they're like, no, no, I don't even want to try, you know, and you're like, okay, I, it's there for you if you want it, you know,
1: mm. and then, just I like let it. That. Go. I think, yeah. yeah, I like that. I think that there's there's a real there's always that real tightrope, isn't there? Of yeah. of of wanting to of, of of the pushing and the letting go. It's like pushing you because I know you can do this, and I know yeah. that you need some encouragement and that success is only a few attempts away or a few you know, whatever whatever it is. Yeah. Then there's also, like you said, that kind of pulling back and Realising you can't constrict, you can't constrict someone's someone's life and their choices. Oh yeah. And uh, I know coaches on either side that fall a bit too strongly one way or the other, yeah. and um, it's something that I'm trying to be aware of in in myself and in yeah trying to find that. But it's not easy at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, really isn't. Years and well, decades now. God, I'm old. <laughs> decades ago, I uh, <laughs> I used to do Irish dance and I was a competitive Irish dancer. No way. Oh, yeah. Way. That's awesome. Oh, I loved it. Um, But it was all about competition. And it was, we had like the St. Patrick's Day performances. But outside of the St. Patrick's Day performances, we only competed. We did not ever perform. And any performance would have been a competition. And Mm. there was so much expectation that you would compete and you would represent the school and you would do the team dances and... Maybe they would give you an out for doing the solo dances. But, you know, when it came to the two or three or four or six or eight hand dances where they needed more people, you had to do them, you know, and that was just expected. And I think after a while, I was like, I I really got tired of it. It was really draining to always be setting up for a competition. And I think because of my experience i can bring that to my students and definitely within parkour like the people in my class you know because we're always encouraging the over 40s come on there's a competition let's do it and um and i was the only one from my group that did the competition back in february and it was terrifying not to have any of my 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 homies with me you know (laughs) like just really needed my posse with me and yeah 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 but i I respect it though, because I didn't want to put that pressure on them. you know it's been decades since I did irish dance but i I feel like that kind of stays with you when you have that ex- that negative experience of being pushed into something like competition where you're being judged sure. you know it, it's a it's rough it's rough d
1: did, did you what was your feeling at the end of finishing your was it, it was speed right speed? yeah
0: what was what was, the, what it's was certainly your not style or skill? <laughs> Although that would be hilarious. I'm like, I would love to do style. I can do a forward roll. I can do a backward roll. I can do a cartwheel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, hey, listen up because this I'll I'll I'll, I'll inspire you uh, here because I did my first style comp this year. Yeah, and it was so out of my comfort zone. <laughs> So if I can try it, you can try it. You've got to try it next time. And I didn't do any flips. I, I did a completely non-flip run.
0: I think it would be absolutely hilarious and probably the funnest thing I ever did. Because I would, no expectation. I, I just don't want it to look like I'm insulting the sport. You know what I'm like? I, I'm, I don't want to look like I'm mocking style because I think it's really amazing. But yeah. I'm afraid if I even tried, it would just look like I was mocking it. And I'm like, that's not my intention. Um, doing the speed course was was interesting. I've only done two competitions now. I tried to do one. Uh, I don't remember what month it was, maybe January, but I tried to do one earlier this year. But when I got there, the course was just too difficult for me. Like I did not have the skills to safely do the course. And, and parts of it, I was like, I literally was not going to be able to overcome the obstacle that was there. Like I cannot climb this, you know, or I cannot get through this thing. It's simply not physically possible for me. And um well that was like I said, it was just definitely the worst day I've had in parkour. Yeah. Over the three and a half years, you know. Yeah. Um I I I rarely ever feel like I'm a failure in parkour, you know. But that was a moment (laughs) where I was like, damn I, yeah. You know, I couldn't even compete. That just, oh. Mm. The, next, the next time they did a competition, which was a few weeks later, it was at Apex. And this, because the other one was not at Apex. So this one was at Apex. And the coaches that were creating the course let me see it ahead of time. So that they could, they nobody else was allowed to see it ahead of time. So this was like a secret, you know. But they knew I wasn't really going to be competitive. So it really didn't matter if I saw it ahead of time. <laughs> I wasn't getting an advantage because... There was no way I was going to place, you know, so it didn't matter. But they took me through the course and said this is this and this and this. And I was like, well, I think I can do that, but not that. And then one of my coaches for the over 40 class showed up. And, of course, he really knows me. And I said, can you two work together because you know me? Can you, like Zach, I'm like, Zach, can you work with him and, and just help him understand what I can or can't do? And so they made this course that was truly competitive for the high level athletes, but also something that I could do. And creating a course of that caliber where, you know, there's the upper level, the upper layer that you can do that's a lot faster. And if you have that skill and you can do that jump, you're in. And if you're someone like me who can't, you have to take the lower route. And But, you know, alternate routes, it's just like, here's the checkpoint, here's the other checkpoint, get there. It was amazing how they did that. And so I was felt like I was compelled because they had done so much work just to make sure I could do it. I'm like, I guess I have to do it. But that was the competition where no one else from the over 40 group was going to be competing. And I was like, Oh, my God. And um, I I begged to go first. Um, I was like, I'll give you 20. I'll give you 20 bucks if you let me go first. And they did. They let me go first. (laughs) Because I'm like, I don't want to be following Michael Sliger or Olaf or Howard, you know, I don't want to be following these people who are, you know, just, gonna fly through it and um and so they let me go first and it was it was terrifying and I just have to tell myself just you know the next step. Go stand at the starting place. You know, and when they say go, just take a step forward and go like I I had to literally just be talking to myself like this is Mm. what you're gonna do next this is the next step because it was just so so frightening and not to have anyone I needed someone holding my hand but I didn't have anyone (laughs) yeah
1: yeah
0: but yeah it was I was so glad I did it so glad I did it and yeah I totally came in dead last you know like I think my time was probably double the next slowest time (laughs) but I did it
1: but you did it you were there you showed up I did you showed up
0: yeah and it it is fun it's so much fun to be part of it as opposed to on the outside looking in Mm. it's really different when you're part of it oh
1: yeah yeah oh yeah how how uh, (laughs) that's lovely yeah I think uh, it's so interesting to me having different people on the podcast and some are quite adverse quite adverse that I would quite averse to competition in parkour yeah. And some are the complete opposite; they love it. And some people are kind of in between, and have had good experiences, and bad experiences, and I kind of, yeah, uh, it's 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 so just interesting to see the, the the breadth of the topic because it is it's quite an important topic in parkour, and it has been for a long time. And but I think that the the moments that you're suggesting and the experiences when things go well and can be super empowering, and I've I felt that as well. hugely, like, sorry, someone's ringing me. Uh, go away. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, hugely empowering, and uh, yeah. something for me that's actually elevated my my own practice, which I never thought I'd say. I was quite quite critical in early days, but but yeah, um, it's that that self, like you said, get into the start line, pushing yourself, and yeah. 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 So I guess we're running out of time rapidly. Yeah, rapidly. <laughs> rapidly, okay. Well, we'll we'll, we'll end there. Um, so firstly, for me, huge thank you. Other side of the world.
0: Thank you so much. I and, appreciate
1: this. Yeah, and uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, it, was, it was lovely speaking with you, hearing about your journey and your mind and your attitude oh. is so infectious, so inspiring, so thank you. And thank uh, you. yeah, if you're listening, guys, check out Amanda in the description. Go and check out her stuff. Um, um oh my god, have we have we run out of time? Oh fuck. No,
0: <laughs> well,
1: that
0: was fun. <laughs> you just can't win here, oh, man, I'll tell you what. Honestly,
1: someone came to my door and then it ended and everything happened at once. Oh my god. Uh so, so yeah um, we're here um, let's, just, let's just finish that out again hold on bear with me one second okay so <laughs> oh, I've got 40 minutes to do the outro
0: <laughs> I know gosh we could take a long time I'd like to thank my parents <laughs> I'd like to thank my older brother my piano teacher when I was 12
1: <laughs> cool yeah um, thank, thank you so much again Amanda uh, it was wonderful having you on and thank you everyone for listening we are back on track we're rolling, we've got more episodes coming out soon watch out for episode 50 as well with someone fairly special, hopefully Um, so I'm excited for that one, Uh, like I said before if you want to find any of Amanda's stuff, go on to look in the description, you can find our Instagram and other places, check out her book as well, I'm going to get that ordered over here, I'm very keen to read it and see what my kids uh, kids can, can be the judge, see what they think of it um okay, so y- I
0: would love to hear your kids opinions on it yeah that would be awesome
1: great great yeah 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 definitely uh any last words or shout outs or anything before we finish Amanda
0: oh, I'm just so grateful to have been here thank you so much for this this is only my second interview so it's kind of fun <laughs>
1: there we go there we go nothing to be worried about nothing to worry about
0: Apparently not, who knew? Exactly,
1: exactly, okay.
0: It's okay because I'm very brave because I train parkour.
1: There it is, yeah. there it is. From parkour to podcast to juggling, whatever, you know, it's all a, That's right. it's all a continuum. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. See you guys on the next one. Stay tuned. <laughs>